Is beauty a trap or a trap door into a deeper reality than we ever imagined? This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. I'm here with Vanessa Pizzuto, who's joining me via Skype from London on the other side of the world. Or or am I on the other side of the world, Vanessa? Well, that depends how you look at it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, they they call um, Australia the the Antipodes, but that's um, from a very Eurocentric point of view. And and you're, you're actually originally from the Southern Hemisphere too, aren't you? Absolutely. I'm from I'm from Argentina. Uh, I've been living in the UK for over a decade now, but I'm definitely from Argentina. Okay, great. And you're there in the studios of, um, what was it, uh, Adventist Radio Adventist, London? Adventist, yeah, Adventist Radio London. It's a new radio. It started literally just a couple months ago. It's a new project. So really exciting. Okay, that's cool. Are, are you online or can people jump on a website and hear some of your content? This is a DAB radio, but they can go to AdventistRadio.London and hear our content. Okay, well, there you go. Cool. I've asked you to, to come on Signs of the Times Radio for us today, uh, Vanessa, not, not just for a bit of cross-promotion. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which I appreciate. <laughs> not a problem. But also because you wrote a great article for us, a very thought-provoking article in the July edition of Signs of the Times magazine called Beholding Beauty. And I just wanted to explore and, I guess, reiterate some of those themes uh, that you that you wrote about there, basically with the aim of, of getting people interested in that topic to maybe jump on our website, uh, you know, signsofthetimes.org.au, and to check out the article for themselves or even better, subscribe to the magazine. So let's get straight into it. I mean, people might find it difficult to understand how you could spend, you know, 1,500, 1,600 words talking about the concept of beauty, but you did, and it's actually quite complex. And you started, I guess, with... Uh, initial question of is beauty a good thing or a bad thing so how would you answer that beauty good or evil well i think it's perhaps a little bit of both depending on what you do with it how you relate to it uh in a way we have both uh experienced both sides of beauty we have all seen a little baby and and we held that baby in our arms and felt that warm and like ah i want to protect this baby and that's the great side of beauty but we also seen beauty magazines and and think oh my goodness i am fat i need to get more makeup you know and, and compete with others so i think maybe beauty much like money much like power is not intrinsically good or intrinsically bad but it's actually how we relate to it that makes a difference mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think you raised some really good points there i mean we look at our you know our eyes arts sector you know we look at books and movies and films and paintings and photography and there is so much you know, incredible beauty there to be appreciated and it's a a huge segment of the human experience isn't it absolutely absolutely and i think um i actually started the the article with talking about an experience of being in nature walking in a beach in hermanus south africa and, mm. and the whole experience of being you know, your breath being completely taken away. And we, I think we all have that experience, whether it was in uh, walking down a beach or, or watching up the stars. And we know that there is an immense power there. 
But we also felt um, perhaps that we weren't pretty enough or appreciated enough because of the way we look. So there is definitely both sides to it. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess when we hear a phrase like, you know, the beauty industry, um, that sort of gets a bit scary, doesn't it? That this very human impulse that we have to be attracted to something that is beautiful has somehow been, you know, commercialized and, and weaponized yeah, against us or against women in I particular. Like- yeah, I like that word weaponized. And it's not, yes, it's predominantly women, but these days you'll see even men suffering from eating disorders, having, you know, body image issues. And it's definitely it's definitely being used against us. Uh, we've definitely been made felt ugly and so we can buy more products. So you can wonder, well, if this is the case, how can it be, there be anything good about beauty? Or how can you even claim that through beauty you might get to know God better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you took a, a little bit of a, um, a historical uh, exploration in your article and actually looked back at, at Christian history briefly there. Um, how is it that Christians historically have been suspicious of, of beauty? Well, that's a really good question because when you go to the to the beginning of what the Bible uh, is, um, and and when you look even at the people of Israel and the system of worship that God Himself instituted, you go like, well, but there was a lot of beauty there. I mean, there was a lot of gold, there was a lot of purple. It was it was really astonishing. Mm. And how can we go from that to thinking mm, we don't want absolutely anything in our churches? Uh, we want them to be absolutely plain. I think we became a little bit scared mm. of maybe getting distracted by the beauty or even making those images or, 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 or that, that beauty the center of our attention rather than God. Uh, okay. And I guess it sort of comes down to uh, like which religious you know, tradition you, you come from. I mean, if you come from a, a Catholic or Orthodox tradition, for example, there is a lot of sort of ornate uh, beauty. You know, there are, you know, tapestries and, you know, the Vatican is famous for its gold and you can, you know, go into an Orthodox cathedral or something and just, wow, you know, you're blown away with the icons mm, and, the, and the richness yeah, that, yeah, that is there. Yeah. I was definitely coming from a Protestant perspective, but you're absolutely right. There are still several denominations that don't feel that kind of fear about about utilizing, using this kind of beauty in their services and in their buildings. Mm-hmm. But, but I guess even in the Christian history of those sorts of churches, you know, you have big arguments about uh, are we allowed to sing in harmony or if we're singing to God, mm. should we all sing together in unison? You know, harmony was sort of seen to be somehow, um, you know, sinful or worldly or, or something like that. It's, it seems like it's an impulse to be suspicious of, of beauty all, all over the place. Absolutely. I think, you know, to be honest, I think we are afraid of things we cannot control, things that have a power on us. And beauty has that power. It has the power to take your breath away and make you feel weak in your knees, you know. And then mm. we are like, mm, let's control this. Let's, let's, let's make sure that it doesn't hurt us. And in a way, it makes sense that we don't want to be carried away with perhaps the negative side of beauty. Mm. But I think we have overcorrected at times and yeah. we have deprived ourselves of the beauty that we need. Yeah, and you, you mentioned that you know you were coming from a Protestant point of view, and those sort of you know plain Puritan uh, chapels that sort of came out of that era. And I guess it's exactly what you're saying. It was a sort of a reaction to perhaps the the wealth of the established church, and you know at, at the time when Protestantism arose, and um, you know maybe the corruption as well as the idea that you could uh, venerate icons or, or have images mm-hmm. in, your, in your church. You know, which Protestants said, well, you know, the Bible 
talks against worshipping uh, images and uh, and so they sort of swung the other way completely and let's have a plain white wall um, you know let's not have any emblems or, or icons or anything and let's focus on a very rational understanding of, of the Bible that's which is important as well isn't it to, to have that balance Absolutely. I think that perhaps we overcorrected, and that is so human to do. We went from, as you said, from one end of the pendulum, we swung all the way to the other end. Mm-hmm. So in, in your personal spiritual life, Vanessa, do you, do you make use of, of beauty to, um, to get close to God in, in any ways? That is a brilliant question because I normally write things that I'm trying to learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I will write about things that I am experiencing with God. And I've been having conversations with God and saying, you know, God, I am a person who is very given to reading and writing and, you know, academic and all in my brain. And mm-hmm. I really want to make sure that my relationship with you is also very experiential, that I have an experience of your presence, an experience of your Holy Spirit in my heart and in my life. Mm-hmm. And for the last um, maybe two or three months, God has been drawing my attention to his beauty, to saying, you know, this, there, is, there is a book in the Bible in which David, who was a king, talks about um, wanting to see God's beauty. And, and, mm. and I felt God was really saying to me, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pay attention to me in, in, in the way that you would to nature. So I want to, to be completely blown away by who I am so that everything else will look dull in your eyes yeah, the, and that you will be completely yeah. surrendered. Wow, this comes from the, the book of Psalms, isn't it? I, yeah, you, you do, you, you quote this in, in your article. I'm, I'm just, I've got it in front of me here. I'm just sort of flipping through trying to find it. He says, um, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Yeah, that's from Psalm 27. So, yeah. wow, that's, that, that's really powerful. And you make a really interesting point that, you know, here's, a, you know, David was a man who was known to be a warrior. You know, he'd like, you know, kill a hundred people, a hundred Philistines mm-hmm. you know, at, at a time yeah. or whatever. But he was a sort of a warrior poet and he did have this real sensitive side and, and he's there, you know, calling out, you know, yearning to somehow contact or have some experience of, of God's beauty. Yeah. And to me, that's something that God is doing in my life right now. He is trying to make sure that my brain and my heart pull in the same direction. That my religion is not something that just happens up in my brain, but but there's something that happens both in my brain. But you need you need both things mm-hmm. in my brain and in my heart and pulling together towards God. Yeah. Wow. So. I mean, you read the Bible and, and you read things about, um, you know, God being in unapproachable light and no one has ever seen God and, and all this sort of stuff. And then we talk about the idea of God being beautiful. I mean, how how is that possible? How can God be beautiful when, you know, the Bible says no one has ever, you know, really seen God? In, in what way is he beautiful? Well, I think the fullest expression of his beauty is Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we can and Jesus said himself, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I think some people think that Jesus is this loving sort of God and the Father is some some sort of angry father, but it's mm-hmm. not because Jesus said if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay, but and but, it is, but, but even yes, even with me. even with Jesus, uh, Vanessa, I mean, the the prophet Isaiah, you know, predicted in in chapter 53 there, he said, look, when, ah, yes. when, when, when the Messiah comes, there's going to be nothing about the way that he looks that is going to draw people to him. You know, he, he's not going to look special. He's not going to look particularly, you know, handsome. He's, he's not going to be a beautiful man. So you, you're talking about a, a deeper beauty, I guess, not, not physical Absolutely. outward beauty. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yes, um, the Bible does say that he was not particularly handsome, and yet there were so many people like attracted to him, following him everywhere he went because there was something really special about him. There was a love that was unconditional and made people feel completely accepted for who they are. Mm. I think he was showing the character of who God the Father is, and in that he became the most attractive person on earth and in heaven. Mm, wow, and and I guess like sometimes when you encounter, um, I think of you know a, an old couple at my church, you know, and you think, wow, you know what what beautiful people, and I mean look that they would not make the cover of a fashion magazine. I can tell you right now, you know they're they're old <laughs> and you know and and wrinkled. Um, they're not particularly attractive physically, but they are beautiful people, and and that beauty does really shine out of their face and um, in just the way they interact with people. It's incredible to see. Um, many years ago, um, I was in India on, on a particular trip with a humanitarian organization, mm-hmm. and we were taken to this orphanage, and we were allowed to hold this, these little babies, and I remember holding one of them, this, this little girl, and she, she, she was way too small and way too tiny, and physically, she was not beautiful in the, in the way that you would say, but I remember looking at her, looking, at, looking into her eye, eyes and thinking, you know, this girl... Is, is a daughter of God. And I remember that mm. I, had, I was overwhelmed by this feeling of love towards this baby and I saw her beautiful after that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, it, it really does. I mean, Jesus, you know, said himself, he said, look, if, if you're there looking after someone who he defined as the least of these, you know, talking about the people at the bottom of the pile in society and he mentioned people who are strangers, people who, are, you know, need clothes, people who are sick, people who are in prison and he said, if you're looking after these people, it's as if you're looking after me and, and I guess the obvious implication of that is exactly what, what you say you've experienced, that when you look into the face of someone like that, you actually recognise, you know, the face of God, their creator in, mm. in that person mm. that, that he's created, yeah, it's profound absolutely so um you talk you mentioned before about your experience on on the beach there and i'd like to talk about natural beauty for for a little while because this has been something that's been really powerful for me um i remember when i was at university one morning i mean i i had a very sort of intellectual understanding of of god at the time Mm. um and i'd i'd decided to become a christian basically on on the strength of my will because i thought well that makes sense you know um god is the you know ruler of the universe he knows what's best for me so i I will hand over my life to him. That was a hard decision to make, but but I made it and it was a really important step for me, but it didn't really reach in, into my spirit, I guess you could say. And, and I remember mm-hmm. one morning being at university there, I came early in the morning for an early class or to get into the library or, you know, the bus came early or I can't remember what it was, but I was sitting there, um, the sun was still slanting through, you know, golden sun and there were these big giant eucalyptus trees there um, and, and a little creek and everything and these birds sort of, you know, in the branches and suddenly I was, I was just struck with this incredible beauty and incredible complexity that was right there in front of me that I'd walked past over and over and over again. But suddenly, I, I, yeah, yeah, I had this real sense. And for me, that was a very deep spiritual experience. And I really felt like I experienced God in, in that moment. Can you relate to that? 
Absolutely, 100%. Uh, and in fact, when you go to the beginning, to the book of Genesis, which is the first book in the Bible, mm-hmm. it says that God put Adam and Eve, the first couple, in a garden. Mm. And that says something. They were surrounded by nature and by beauty 24-7. This was the plan, mm. the original plan. Um, in the article, I mentioned a little bit of um, science, a bit on science that talks about the science of awe. And it's mm. this point of what being surrounded by beauty, surrounded by nature, and how it makes you feel small is actually a good thing for you and Mm. it makes you more generous and it makes you cooperate with other people it makes perfect sense because we were meant to be surrounded by beauty this is the way god intended it Mm. how how does that work how how does um you know, looking at a beautiful natural scene make you more generous. So one of the uh, one of the studies they did, they had two groups of people, mm. and they they made one of them look at a eucalyptus tree, actually, as you were mentioning it earlier, oh, yes. uh, and then another group they were just looking at this this just plain building, just mm-hmm. just just that looking looking at a building. After doing this for just one minute, what happened is some of the people that came with a team of investigators dropped some pens on the floor just to see what would happen. Mm-hmm. And the people who were looking at the eucalyptus trees and they had this majestic view cooperated a lot more in picking up those pencils and handing them back to, to the people than those who were just looking at the plain nondescriptive building. And I think that's, wow, you think about it, just by looking at something beautiful, people were a lot more generous and a lot more cooperative, which is an incredible thought. Wow, yeah, it is. I mean, it doesn't seem um, to connect logically, but I mean, the science, you know, demonstrates that there is something in the appreciation of beauty that makes us nicer, kinder people. Uh, is it, it, Absolutely. Yeah, is that hard for people who live in a city, for example, like in, in London, for example? Is it difficult to get your sort of fix of, of natural beauty <laughs> living somewhere like that? That's the, that's the good point because not everybody will have the chance to live surrounded by natural beauty. But even if you live in a city, you can be intentional about looking for those moments that will give you good response. So whether you are walking down the street and you see a performing artist or whether you're picking out of your window just to see the clouds and the sun, you do, or whether you go to a museum to, to appreciate some some paintings, you just make sure that you have moments, intentional moments in which you actually, um, you get yourself submerged in beauty mm-hmm. because it does make a difference. I was talking to my mom this week and she, she, um, she went to the beach with my dad and she was saying the difference that it had for her to be able to see the sunrise and the sunset every day. Of course, she could do this back home as well, but she will have to maybe change her lifestyle. But perhaps <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps that's something that will make a difference that is worth it, that makes it worthwhile. Wow. Yeah, that's the, that, that is incredible. I, I'd like to run an idea past you that sort of, I guess, goes on a little further from where you, where you went in, in the article. The idea that from a... I don't know, from a, a basic functional point of view, um, beauty doesn't really have a, a lot of point. I mean, if, if, if for example, you, you accepted a sort of evolutionary uh, point of view of, you know, where life came from and, and what we're doing here on this planet, you'd sort of think that the, you know, the caveman that stopped to uh, admire the sunset is probably the caveman who would be taken from behind by the, by the saber-toothed tiger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yes, which, 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 absolutely. Which, which kind of makes me think, well, what is the point of being able to, to appreciate beauty from that point of view? I guess for me, the fact that there is beauty there is evidence of, of God's existence, is mm. evidence that there is something transcendent going on in this universe that is more than just 
um, you know, our everyday needs and just getting food into our mouths and, and shelter over our heads. I mean, am I, am I taking that too far or do you, do you I don't think saying? so. This is a theological question that is quite old and actually many people have wrestled with before. Mm. Uh, why is the point, what, what is beauty out there? Mm. And not the just point? out yeah. there, but in there. Sometimes I think that we can, you know, those Russian dolls that you have one inside the other, inside the other, inside the other. Yes. Like if you look outside, there is beauty. But if you look at the way your body functions uh, on every level, there is beauty. And, and you can wonder why, why even bother? Mm. Um, I think it definitely is a pointer towards someone who wants us to experience beauty as a way to get closer to him, as a way to get closer to God. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I guess there's so much complexity in our world. I mean, for, for example, um, if, if there was a, a fruit or, or a vegetable that would give us all our complete nutritional needs, it, you know, wouldn't that be easier just to be able to eat that and, and we'd be sorted. But <laughs> instead we have this <laughs> incredible variety of fruits and vegetables and, and you know, leaves and, and all the different ways we can prepare the food that, that makes the experience of eating a, an aesthetic experience, you know, an experience that involves beauty. It's a pleasure, beauty. yeah, it, it a involves pleasure. beauty and there's texture and there is color. What the, why is there color? Mm. You know, uh, absolutely. We could have just one pill that feeds us and, and gives us all the nutritional values that we need, but instead we have this fantastic array of fruits and vegetables and colors and texture is... is exotic it's mm. fantastic mm. that maybe that's a reason for it yeah yeah um, and you you talked before you know about your your mother enjoying the the sunset there and um, enjoying the beach and I, I guess it it made me think that you know sometimes the arts can be a great way to help us focus on that beauty like whether it's photography or whether it's uh, I think you you mentioned you you like to journal um, or, I do. or yeah or whether it's sketching or, or whether it's dance or there are so many different ways to I guess try to um, reflect that beauty that we see around us and to try to uh, I don't know if capture is the right word but we, we do try to capture it sometimes um, but but at least to pay you know homage to it and and to praise the God who made it Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, that's one way to do it. Um, you could also incorporate this in the way you pray. If you go to the book of Psalms once again, mm -hmm. um, there is constant appreciation of the beauty of God and the beauty of creation. Mm. And you could do this when you pray. You could either pray aloud and say, you know, God, this this guy looks beautiful. Thank you for my dog. Mm. Um, or or you could, or you could write it. I find that writing my prayers works better for me because I remain focused. Yeah. Uh, so journaling is another way. But yeah, this is definitely a way to be part to to get yourself immersed in that beauty. Mm -hmm. And and like you say, you know, the the people who wrote the Psalms, you know, David among them, they they like to look for what was in their heart or look. At, you know, I think David said, you know the you know consider the skies the stars and you know your handiwork god you know this sort of language and and he sort of wrote that down in a, in a song um and and composed a song and that that can be a, a really powerful way and and if i mean i'm not much of a songwriter but i certainly get a lot out of looking through the the psalms and finding you know the words there that i guess capture something that i feel you know that that reflects the awe that, that i feel and that, that can be a, a really mm -hmm. profound experience um, one of my favorite parts of of going to church is taking part in song and mm. listening I, I pay a lot of attention to the lyrics because i because i love words but i think it's a fantastic experience to to be able because sometimes you don't know how to express something mm -hmm. and then you hear this song and it just resonates with the feeling that you had and the psalms do the same mm. and it's, it's just a fantastic opportunity Oh, that's 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 incredible! Hey, thanks so much, uh, 
Vanessa for, for writing that article for us and thanks so much for um, being on, on Signs of the Times Radio. Um, yeah, so if, if you'd like to read that article for yourself, um, check it out on signsofthetimes.org.au. It's certainly worth a read and I'm really happy, Vanessa, to know that you're going to be writing for us again. Looking forward to seeing more of your work in print. Thank you very much, Ken. A pleasure to be on your podcast show. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast. 